learning. We've all experienced it, but how does it happen? More importantly, how do we create powerful learning experiences that change people's lives? In this podcast, we'll explore the world of adult career change education, from learning theories to classroom experiences to the kinds of people who make life-changing education possible. So come learn with us. This is the future of professional education, powered by Thrive DX. Hi, folks. This is Sean, and welcome back to the Future of Professional Education. Today, we're going to be talking about a somewhat difficult topic, which, if you've seen the name of the podcast, is Feedback and Difficult Conversations. And the point here is that, yes, these are going to be, quote, difficult, but they don't need to feel terrible. You need to feel really prepared as a teacher or as a manager to have conversations like this with your students or with your employees. And so having some of the resources in mind and the toolbox that we'll build together a little bit today will make you feel a little more confident, hopefully, about delivering these difficult conversations. So let's jump right in. We're going to start with just talking about feedback because feedback is not the difficult part of this. Feedback should be a very positive thing, whether it's positive or constructive. Feedback needs to be aimed at improving the person you're giving feedback to. And so that positive feedback would be a way to reward good behavior, good performance, something like that. Negative feedback or constructive feedback, if it's framed right, would be aimed at improving performance or behavior or whatever. Feedback should be reactive and timely. It should happen, if possible, if it's a, an individual interaction, right in that moment. And if that's not possible, you certainly don't want to embarrass somebody in front of others by giving them feedback on something that you disagree with. But if you can't give feedback immediately, then the next best thing would be to set up a time to meet as soon as possible after what happened to discuss it and to give that feedback. A performance review is never the first time that somebody should hear a piece of feedback. That's something that should always have been discussed prior to a performance review in regular conversation so that when you get to the time for a performance review or whatever that equivalent would be with students, um, a discussion about their final grade, say, nothing should be surprising. They should be on the same page with you about how they've been doing because you've been telling them how they've been doing. Okay, that's all feedback in general. Let's talk about difficult conversations because that's a sort of a super-powered form of feedback. So just take a moment and think about what that term means to you. Difficult conversations. What is that? So the way that I like to think about difficult conversations and, and sort of define them for myself is that if this is a conversation that you're going into feeling like, I really don't want to have to do this, that's a difficult conversation, most likely. If it's a conversation that somebody needs to have with you and you're feeling like, oh God, I don't want to be here, that probably is a difficult conversation. So it, it can be around all sorts of different things, but the common thread that difficult conversations have is the emotion that they bring up. And the, it, it's not any one particular emotion, it's that they will elicit emotion. There's all sorts of emotions that can come from a difficult conversation. You can have 
just abject shame. You can have anger. You can have sadness, uh, potentially depression, which is different from sadness. You could also have more positive emotions like hope or potentially understanding or, or some kind of sense of connection to the person and gratitude. There's all sorts of ways that a difficult conversation can go, but it will always bring out some form of emotion. And so as the person leading this difficult conversation, you need to expect that and you need to allow that to be part of the conversation. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Difficult conversations carry an intrinsic threat to the person receiving them. There's an existential threat potentially to their livelihood, to their career aspirations, to their student work, uh, to their goals, whatever that is. Having a difficult conversation means something's really wrong. And, and that can relate to some of the emotions that a difficult conversation can elicit. So again, being aware of the fact that a difficult conversation will feel threatening no matter how nicely you deliver it is something that's key to doing this well. And then finally, one more thing to mention is that a difficult conversation will only work if the person you're having it with trusts you. It will not work very well if you have not built that trust yet. And so as a teacher or as a manager, your job prior to a difficult conversation, not like the day before it, but in all of the weeks and months that you've been working with this person, is to build that trust so that when you need to have a conversation like this, they know that you're coming at it from a place of respect and empathy and looking out for them. What I like to say is the difficult conversation is the time to spend that trust that you've banked prior to it. So let's talk about preparing for a difficult conversation because there are some things that you should do in advance that will set you up for success and make this a, as good an experience as possible. Take a moment and just think about how you might prepare for a difficult conversation. All right, so let's see if what you came up with matches some of my ideas here. So first off, you need to dress appropriately. You don't want to come to a difficult conversation looking like you just rolled out of bed. You don't want to come to a difficult conversation looking like you're dressed for some kind of concert. <laughs> you need to be prepared to look good because you need to show respect for the situation that you're entering. You definitely should not have a difficult conversation in a text thread, in Slack or an email, something like that. But it's even better if you can either meet in person or in a live video call, as opposed to, say, on, on a phone call. And that's because so much emotion comes through people's faces um, and, and their body language. And so a phone call removes some of that. And, and I'm not thinking about the person you're delivering to. I'm thinking about you. They need to see your body language. They need to see the emotion behind what you're saying and the, the feeling behind what you're saying. You want to be on time to a difficult conversation. If you can, show up early. Don't make someone sit there waiting for you. Being on time means at the moment it starts or before. You also want to be over-prepared. You need to have a ton of facts ready to go. Facts that support your case. And it's not that you want to litigate your case, but 
it's very possible that the person that you're talking to will need examples of what you're talking about in order to understand what you're saying and for the message to land. And so you want to come in over-prepared, knowing that here's this theme that I want to discuss. Here's, say, three different ways to discuss it, three different considerations to discuss about it. If it's useful to you, you can definitely prepare notes or an outline. Never a problem to do that. That's a good way to prepare. What you don't want to do is prepare a script, or even worse, rehearse a script, because it will feel disingenuous. The person needs to feel like you're in the moment with them. It's not that you've practiced this in the mirror 20 times and now you know exactly what you're going to say. You have to be in the moment. And so I would strongly recommend that you don't actually prepare a script, but if it's useful to you, prepare that outline or your notes. All right, let's move on and start thinking about some of the things that you actually need to do in a difficult conversation. And I, again, want to start by just asking you to think about that. What would you do in a difficult conversation? What techniques might you employ? What kind of guidance would you give to someone else? Just think about that for a minute. So I've got a ton of things that I'm going to give you advice on here. You're welcome to take or leave any of these things, but all of them have worked well for me in my experience. First thing is, you need to gain permission or agreement prior to having this. And that's not the same as scheduling a difficult conversation. The permission and agreement needs to happen in the moment at the beginning of the conversation. Sometimes this is called a micro-agreement. It's as simple as saying, hey, thanks for taking the time to meet. Is this still a good time for you to talk about this? And if they say yes, then you've got a buy-in, right? You, you've got a, a very small agreement, and that small agreement is the start of coming together so that they can understand where you're coming from. If they say no, if the answer is no, it's really not the right time, my cat died last night, and blah, 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 great, stop. <laughs> That's really important information. You don't want to have a difficult conversation when someone's mind is not in that space. They need to be ready to receive this. And so if they're telling you they're not ready, you've got to listen to that and you should reschedule. Second piece of advice is bring your empathy game. Difficult conversations, like I said, are filled with emotion. They're filled with fear and threat and all of that stuff that we talked about before. And bringing your empathy to this and understanding where that person might be, what they might be feeling, is going to help you a lot in figuring out where to go with this conversation as it develops. You want to speak as kindly and directly as possible. You don't want to berate someone. You don't want to speak sternly to them. You're not trying to rub their nose in something. What you're trying to do is deliver a message that is both kind and effective. And so speaking kindly and directly, as opposed to speaking, say, kindly and indirectly and implying stuff, or as opposed to speaking sternly, is going to be the most effective way to do this. You want to start with the problem. And obviously you can say hello first and ask how they're doing, but you want to start with the problem. There's an idea that some people apply when they're delivering difficult feedback, which is called a praise sandwich, or sometimes referred to as a turd sandwich. Or if you'd like to go even further, you can imagine what other word you might use instead of turd. But it's 
it's a, a, a form of delivering feedback where you start with something nice and then you deliver the message and then you end with something nice. So the example I like to use is, hey, that's a really nice shirt. It looks great on you. Wow, I, I really love your style. Okay, let's talk about all of these problems that I'm seeing that are going to lead us toward a pip. And then you finish with, but also your hair looks great. Hopefully you wouldn't do something like that. But I know that a praise sandwich is something that some people like to do. The reason you don't want to do it is it can feel disingenuous. You don't want someone to feel like you're just giving them lip service. You're giving them praise in order to deliver the constructive feedback. This goes back to speaking kindly and directly. Starting with the problem is a way to speak directly to the problem. You don't need to start by beating around the bush and saying all the nice stuff that you've noticed in order to set them up for your constructive feedback. The other thing that can happen with a praise sandwich is sometimes people will deliver a lot of praise and then deliver a message, and the message will get lost in all of that praise. So it sort of balances itself out. The person comes out of this feeling like, okay, so I'm doing a lot of stuff right. There's one thing I'm doing wrong. I'm doing great. But that's not the point of a difficult conversation. The point of a difficult conversation is to land that message. Okay, so now you're dealing with the problem, right? You're going straight to the heart of the issue. This is why we're here. Like we said before, that's going to bring up a lot of emotion. Uh, potentially. doesn't have to, but probably will. You need to norm those feelings that are coming up. And you don't want to do this in a way that would seem patronizing, obviously, but you do want to do it in a way that helps them understand that you actually expect this. So small things like, I know this is difficult to hear. I wouldn't want to hear this, but it's important because it's going to help you with your growth. That is enough to help norm those feelings. What you don't want to do is just wallow in them. This doesn't need to become a crying fest, sobbing on your shoulder. That's not going to move the conversation forward. But what is, is to acknowledge the emotion and to then move back to the thing that you're discussing when they're actually ready to move. You also want to be very truthful and direct. And that's part of the kindness that I was talking about earlier. You, you don't want to beat around the bush with this. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them what you're thinking. Be open and honest with them. And that honesty will go a long way in helping them understand that you're actually there to help them. When you're having a difficult conversation, you do not want to try to convince someone that you're right. If that's where this is going, you need to stop and regroup and have this conversation another time because you're not going to succeed in a difficult conversation by beating someone down. What you need to do is guide them. Help them to a place of understanding that you need them to get to. It's your understanding that they need to get to, unless you're just wrong, and, and you should be open and humble to being wrong. But in the absence of that, you are seeing the situation clearly. You need to guide someone to your understanding because you're their manager or their teacher, and you're helping them get to the point that you need them to get to. But you're not going to argue them into submission. You also don't want to make assumptions. I mentioned being open and honest. What you don't want to do is share your open and honest feelings that are not actually based in reality. 
And the reality, all that you know about the reality of their life is what you can observe. So anything that you can observe, that you can actually see them do or hear them say, that's fair game for a conversation like this. That's fair game for you saying, I saw you do this, or I, I heard you say this, or, or whatever. That's something that's observable. It's fact. It's in the record, right? What you can't do is say, you said this, and I thought you meant... Okay, that's, that's an assumption, right? And we don't want to go to assumptions with this. We want to deal with the facts. You can talk about the effect that that has on you or the, the effect that it has on others. You said this, and it made me feel like, or you said this, and it made me think that your colleagues might feel blah, 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 right? But the key there is to only deal with things that are observable. And this is the advice that we give to our teachers as well regarding assessment, and it's what we use here at Thrive DX. You don't, when you're assessing a student, you don't use anything that's not observable and measurable. And in a difficult conversation, you're not specifically trying to measure something, so I just say observable, but it's the same thing. You can't judge a student's effort because you can't see inside their brain. You have no idea how much effort they're putting in. What you can see is the results. You can see the paper that they wrote. You can see the project that they created. Those are the observable things, the thing that they can do, right? So that's the same thing with a difficult conversation. You want to deal with the observable. I statements can be really helpful in a difficult conversation as well. So an I statement is when you state your own view of something as opposed to pointing the finger at someone else and saying you did this. So when you did this, I felt, etc. As opposed to when you did this, you made me feel, etc. It's a very subtle difference, but it's enough to potentially turn off that switch of feeling blamed for something. Echoing and reflecting back can be a really effective component of a difficult conversation. And echoing means you're, you're taking in what someone's saying and you're synthesizing it and repeating it to them. So, okay, here's what I've just heard you say. You say what you heard them say. Is that accurate? Does that reflect what you're telling me? It's a way to validate the response without necessarily agreeing with it. I've heard you. We talked about speaking kindly and directly. You also want to be very, very specific. Be very clear. These are the exact things that I'm seeing you do that are problematic. This is why you, what you never want to do in a difficult conversation is give vague negative feedback. It's damaging to your relationship, to the person's psyche. It's very upsetting to receive vague negative feedback and I say this because I've received it and it's really not fun there's not much you can do with it it kind of feels like middle school where someone comes up to you and goes all right so uh, people don't like you but I can't really tell you who they are or what they're saying or what you're doing but they don't like you that's not helpful feedback I didn't just for the record hear that specific thing but it felt like that when I got vague negative feedback about something and went, I don't know what to do with this. I, I get that something's off, but what do I do? We need to, in these difficult conversations, be very specific and very clear. This is exactly what I saw. 
this is why it's a problem. And to help with that, there's a thing called the SBI framework, which stands for Situation, Behavior, and Impact. Sometimes this framework is put as SBIR, which is Situation, Behavior, Impact, Response. And in either of these, you definitely need a response. So if it's helpful to think about that R, then please do. But the SBIR or SBI framework basically says you start with the situation. You're describing the situation, the time and date and location, whatever, where you saw this thing happen. Then you move to the behavior. This is what I saw that was problematic. And then the meat of the conversation is about the impact. That's the I in SBI or SBIR. The impact is, what does this thing mean for you? Why is this a problem? I've described the problem, but it's more than just I saw a problematic behavior. It's, this is how it's going to impact your career aspirations. If you keep going this way, this is how it's going to impact your ability to graduate on time if you're a student. Whatever those impacts might be, you need to frame that for the person that you're delivering this conversation to because the whole point of this is to get them to the point that they will make change. They need to understand why they're making change. Now, like I said earlier, you're not trying to rub their nose in it. You don't need to dwell on this and, and you certainly don't need to spend a ton of time making them feel terrible. But dealing with the impact and actually talking about the impact is a, a, an important component of this. And then, like I said, after that, R is the response. You want to make your points, and then you want to allow them to speak. As I said, this is going to bring up emotion. You should allow them to react. You should allow them to get upset. There's definitely no place for something like, hey, okay, let's be professional about this. Because you can't just tamp down emotion. Someone who is receiving a difficult conversation is going to feel threat. And so we need to understand that and we need to allow that reaction. We need to help them move past that reaction because the point of this is not to sit and watch them cry. The point of this is for them to understand the thing that they need to change in order to improve the situation. And then two more points. It is not your job to make someone feel good after a difficult conversation. And I know that that may not feel real good to hear. Now, I'm not saying that it's not your job to make someone feel supported. You absolutely need to make someone feel supported in a difficult conversation. They need to know, okay, I can trust this person. They've got me. They're telling me that there's something that's really wrong, but it's going to be okay. They've got me. As opposed to, trying to make them happy when they leave. It is not your job to make someone happy when they walk out of a difficult conversation. They won't be. And if you're aiming for that, you're aiming for the wrong thing. What it is your job to do is to create a light at the end of the tunnel because that light at the end of the tunnel gives hope. Your job, your outcome in a difficult conversation is to end with hope, not happiness. We're not trying to make them happy. We are trying to make them hopeful for the future. And so that light at the end of the tunnel, it's different from a praise sandwich because this is really genuine. The light at the end of the tunnel looks like, okay, so we've talked about all this stuff. You know, you recap it and everything. These are the problems that we discussed. I want you to know that I am going to be there with you and I'm going to make sure that you succeed at this. 
I'm asking you for some difficult changes. I understand that. But I'm going to help you with this. And I know that you're going to succeed. And that kind of thing, they're not going to walk away feeling great. But they are going to walk away feeling like, I know what to do in order to achieve what my teacher or boss or whoever is asking from me. When I do these trainings on difficult conversations in a live scenario, I do a moment for role play. And what I advise you to do is find someone that you can role play a difficult conversation with. Could be a spouse, could be a friend, could be a colleague, something like that. Whatever it is, someone who's willing to to really go there. And, and be open with them as you approach them for this ask in saying it's it's going to be a little weird. It's going to feel a little personal, even if it's not about something you've actually done. And the point of the role play is you need to feel really comfortable with what you've learned. You need to feel really comfortable walking into a difficult conversation. The first time that you practice a difficult conversation shouldn't be when you're actually delivering one. You want to be feeling a little more confident than that would leave you feeling. And so practicing this is going to be your friend. So find someone who you can role play a difficult conversation with. If you're here at Thrive DX, you're more than welcome to reach out to me and I'm more than happy to help you practice. But if you're not, then find someone to practice with. And I'm going to give you some scenarios that you can use in this role play. These are from the point of view of both a teacher and a manager. And they're going to hopefully not be things that you ever have to deal with, but they're realistic things that you might have to deal with as a student, as a teacher or as a manager. And I'm going to drop these in the episode notes so that you don't have to write these down. But just think about this as I'm telling you about these and, and see if any of these are ones that you would want to role play. So the first scenario is that your student isn't doing their homework and is at risk of failing out of class. Second scenario that you can practice with is the student repeatedly shows up late to class or just doesn't show up at all. Third scenario is that you have an employee, now you're a manager, who keeps sending strongly worded emails and it's really affecting the team dynamic. Fourth scenario is that your employee is always marked away on Slack. You know how you can mark yourself as away. Or they decline meetings repeatedly, or they just never respond to anything. The fifth scenario is you've already given an employee feedback on two occasions about low performance that could lead to a PIP. Their performance has not improved, and you now need to escalate before moving this to a PIP. And finally, if you're really brave, your manager berated you in front of your team yesterday, and you would like to help your manager make future feedback more constructive. So hopefully one of those feels like an interesting thing to explore. As I said, even though these are completely invented scenarios, they're going to feel real when you're in it. When you're engaged in a difficult conversation, either as the person delivering or as the person receiving, even if it's not something that you've actually done, it's going to feel real. And that's part of the, the reason that we practice this, because you need to understand what those emotions are that it's going to bring up, and you need to be comfortable with that. 
And then if you want to take this a step further, reverse your roles. Have the person that you delivered it to deliver a difficult conversation to you. Maybe have them listen to this podcast first. It's great to be on the receiving end of one as well. That's great practice. And the more you practice this, the more comfortable you're going to be. I still don't love giving difficult conversations. I have to do it from time to time, and it's not fun. And that thing I described at the beginning about a difficult conversation being the conversation where you're going, oh man, I really don't want to do this. I still feel that. You never feel great about doing this. And, and you shouldn't because you're human, right? And you care about people. So you're never going to feel great about this. What you are going to feel is comfortable enough and confident enough to do this well. And if you can walk away feeling like, I didn't, I know I didn't make them happy, but I did lay out the problem in a way that's going to make change and they have hope walking away from this situation that they can fix it, then you have succeeded in your difficult conversation. So that's what I've got for you on this. I do hope you practice. I hope you find someone that you can practice with. And I hope that this is really useful to you and that you can apply this in your work or in your teaching or whatever it is that you do, whether it's even in your personal life. This can be a really useful thing to be able to do. And so I hope you find this useful. I would love to hear from you if you do. If you go to the hosting page for the podcast, anchor.fm slash TFPE, you can actually record a message to go straight to me. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening, folks, and thanks for learning with us. Did you enjoy this podcast? Please consider leaving a rating or review wherever you found it. And I hope you'll also recommend it to your friends.